Maybe you'd like to give old Stone Cold a kiss. If you want true power, you have to earn it with respect. Respect this. Oh! oh give him a slap in the kisser. What are you thinking, K-Fan? Randy Orton, yeah! Come on! Down goes Cena! You don't slap a rattlesnake, Vince. Disrespectful? You think that was disrespectful? Oh! watched NXT lately? I mean, I catch it uh, here and there. So I usually have to watch, you know, if I'm riding Peloton and it's, and it's night, but I keep trying to monitor the volume. And I noticed I don't have to, every once in a while before you'd hear slap, yeah, slap, mm-hmm. slap. And then I was going back and, uh, and something kind of like jugged my memory lately. And I, there was an official announcement that uh, Vince McMahon is now banning leg slaps. So you're hearing slaps now, or you used to no, hear slaps? No, I, was, I, I wasn't. Like, I noticed the last few times I watched, I was like, I didn't have to go for that volume for that loud slap. Because then I was like, wait a minute, there, there's, no more, there's no more slaps. Yeah. And the volume is also Why lower. did they ban the leg slaps? Uh, I think Vince basically thought it was being overused. And there was kind of an open Twitter spat between Tommaso Ciampa and Randy Orton, you know, basically when Randy Orton congratulated him on a, a, a show well done after a, a takeover, but he kept putting leg slap in like parentheses, like congratulations on your leg slap. It was a really great show. Leg slap. I uh, can't wait to see what you guys do next. Leg slap. And yeah. he kind of really, and then Tommaso kind of got pissed off at that about how hard the guys are working and, and rightfully so. I mean, they, they work harder than they probably need to on the physicality of it. You know, it's, but Vince probably just thought it was overused and it probably was. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, going back to when we were trained, the old, the old timers were never into what you and I would call human Foley, uh right? They wouldn't have these Foley noises of just like to make that dramatic as like, uh, one of the trainers that was at Tug's gym when I was training was Sputnik Monroe, uh, who's definitely worth a Google. You should check him out. Sputnik it's Monroe? Sputnik Monroe. Is that a Russian gimmick? He, well, he was. He started off at that, but his name was based on, yeah, the actual the satellite there, but it was that time period. Yeah. But he actually ended up becoming really like a, 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 a basically somebody who kind of led the charge on minorities getting into wrestling where he was like the folk hero of like African-Americans in Tennessee where he was really like getting these guys, you know, before they were kind of secluded, they weren't allowed in, but he was trying to welcome them in. So he, he's a definitely, we should do a fun Nick Monroe. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We do a show on him, but I wrestled tons with his son, Bubba. (laughs) <laughs> they had the little blonde skunk on the top of the head. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, going back to the the human Foley, like if you were walking in the gym and you threw a punch and we weren't into the leg slaps in the 90s, it was more like the foot stomp, like right when you throw the punch. Yeah. Because, you know, it was basically that Hogan generation. And then like he was just walking and he'd walk 
all hunched over and kind of growling when he walked by and you throw a punch and he hear that stomp and he would just and he'd look at you why the fuck are you stomping he's just like what why are you stomping are you trying to make grapes or are you trying to punch a man and i was like oh sh-. like oh is that oh um I just, that's what we knew. It's just like, if you know how to throw a punch, you don't need a stump to actually add dramatic offense. You just punch him. And he's the one that told me that, and I've said this before, it's just like, you're going to get hit really hard in safe places. And he was the one. And he came in the ring and dude, he was like a 70 year old guy. And he just come in there and he's like, he'd lift up your chin and he'd growl and he'd rear his fist back. And then he'd go, pop and he'd punch you right in the side of your neck mm-hmm. where it's just like it wasn't in your face but it was in the meat of your neck where it wasn't hitting your windpipe uh-huh. but it was just like kind of like and it would just go pop but it wasn't a leg slap yeah. and it wasn't a foot stomp yeah it was his knuckles slapping <laughs> against yeah. your flesh so it's just like i the, so where did the foot stop come from then i think hogan yeah. i think if you look back and watch any of is that this hogan a tv stuff, thing why did this begin yeah because i think with hogan doing it you know and i'd have to look at some 70s stuff but i mean i think when people were fired up you know if you look back at like pat patterson early 80s late 70s i think when you're fired up you know when you rear back you're so excited about the punch you throw your foot in the air and then you throw it down to just kind of add that effect. Yeah. But I think later on when TV came involved, you know, the ring would be might. Right. So basically that would basically be human foley. Like you would register when that punch was going to make contact and they knew almost when to sell. But it wasn't something that was really accepted by mm-hmm. any of the, like the old timers. So now fast forward here, you know, because I, I was reading a quote from Shawn Michaels that he was talking about it. And he was being very, like, he was playing in the middle because obviously he, Sweet Chin Music was his finish. Right. And, he and there was, was no slap on that? He said sometimes. And now, yeah. and it made me really think about it because I don't really recall ever he- hearing these loud slaps yeah. when he kicked. Now, think about it. Like, when he, he kicked Marty Gennetti in the barbershop, I mean, sometimes he, it almost looked like he made contact, right? Yeah. And you weren't really looking at, this you weren't listening for the sound you were more looking for the contact and it was more about getting it right sweet chin music he yeah was getting that in there yeah but i mean that's just like simple that's like live action editing yeah you know what i mean it's like you know a a, a blow like when you're editing a some kind of punch together whatever you just add that sound there and it sells it you know yeah exactly like and can, i think that's what they were doing on the fly just yeah. to register it but i mean to think about it what's the other thing that people really hear that we kind of got trained on i would say it started well it started with flair but it it really got worse in the 90s was chops yeah chops i mean like you're are you gonna chop somebody in real life in a fight no but if you're you're gonna do that in front of a crowd to the point where you hear it and look chops hurt man it's just like anytime People say wrestling is fake. Just offer to chop them. Just like you saw that video on Reddit the other day. Oh yeah, the guy got chopped. The reporter. Yeah, man, it is no joke because it's just like it hurts. I mean, I got it. I got it bad with. uh, It was in a battle royal, and basically that was like their initiation, almost like a '70s gang movie when they're going to jump you in, like the rookie in a battle royal is basically everybody who gets the rookie is going to chop them. So you're going to come out of the ring basically with finger bloody bloody broken blood vessel handprints on your chest Mm -hmm. but people do it for the effect and again just because of the noise 
So then I feel like they started doing it for everything, uh, you know, punches and, and kicks. There was always just like to really register that hit. I think Dustin Rhodes, when he was gold dust, he started doing like this uppercut and he would throw it so fast, but he had that, his, he had that really fast handwork like his dad, uh, where he would just almost like give his chest a really fast slap at the same time that the fist was making contact with your jaw. Mm-hmm. So it, again, really just to register. So that that wouldn't fall under leg slap, but he did it so fast. You just thought it was basically part of that was the way he threw a punch, right? That was his style of doing it. Mm-hmm. So I'm 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 torn on this of just like I understand like not doing it all the time, but people are so the business has changed so much and the fans have changed so much. They're so used to hearing that. But I mean, it really got big in like Ring of Honor too, right? Mm-hmm. There was a lot of leg slaps there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it like, and again, it really goes back to, it just feels like the business is getting more and more legit with its physicality and less and less legit with its creativity. And in a weird way, it's suffering from it. Yes. You know, I think it's not, people aren't as interested. I mean, uh, my buddy sent me. Uh, I was going to send it to you. Basically, it was a house show, and it looked like there was probably like fifty people there. And this, I think, was Teddy Hart. The you know, he did like a Canadian Destroyer, which is that sunset flip pile driver. But he did it like off the top of the ladder and through a t- like two tables, like very ECW style. And what I noticed after the carnage was not that how impressive that was because it was, it's not something to do, but like I looked at the crowd and the crowd barely reacted. Yeah. They just barely reacted because they're just not as invested anymore. And they're just, you know, they don't really care as much. They, they want you to go high, jump higher, hit harder, but it's just like, they're just doing it for a spectacle, almost like rubbernecking. But like, think about how nuts people used to go. Like, you know, would, George the Animal Steel, you know, reach into his trunks, pretend he had a foreign object. And half the time, you know, spoiler alert, he had nothing in his hand. Mm -hmm. It was blank, but he would ball up his fist like he had something in there. And the people would start losing their shit like, Raph, Raph, turn around, look. And then he would turn and then he'd pretend to tuck it into his armpit and then turn. So the ref would be like checking him. He's like, I don't no, I don't have anything. Mm-hmm. And he would have it like in his armpit. And as soon as he re- then he'd reach back under his armpit and then he'd go for it again. And like, Raph, Raph. And it's just like, this would be like seven minutes in a match. Yeah. And just like no spots are happening right now. Yeah. No high spots, but the people were more engaged. Mm-hmm. It's like the Hitchcock thing, right? You're letting the audience in on the secret there that the ref is not in on. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's telling that story. You know, you you still have to tell us. I mean, eventually you're going to get to the high spot. You're going to get to cr- the crescendo, like you said. You're going to get to the, at the end when all the action happens. You're going to get the high spots in. But if you're starting off with, like, high spots, you're, you're just done. So yeah. I think everyone's getting... A little. Everybody probably needs to slow down a little. It, it's going to take retraining, I think, of, of what the audience expects, mm-hmm. right? Because now you're just there's so much you expect. You know, Jim Ross came out. He comes out. If you notice when you're watching AEW, he kind of calls them out when they're not doing something. You can tell he's like 
he's no longer play by play. He's Jim Ross, you know, talent yeah. relations, what he's been doing for so long. It's yeah. Like, like what's he been saying? Yeah. He'd be like, what, what are you doing? You need to cover him. Why are you screwing around? Mm-hmm. Like, you just like, that doesn't sound like the play by play guy. Yeah. And just like, you know, and he's come out on his podcast and just like, don't jump on the top rope and punch somebody 10 times because here's the problem with the new punches. You know, these styles of punches is now we're, we're, we're 20, probably 20 years into a UFC generation. Mm-hmm. And we've all seen what happens when somebody really gets punched in the face. Yeah. Right. You know, it's just like one punch can take you out. So it's just like, are you like a really bad puncher that you can punch somebody in the face 10 times and all they do is kind of walk funny forward like they got noodle legs and then drop forward mm-hmm. where if it's like if that was a usc fight and just like the ref would have jumped in when you're ground and pounding somebody because now you're talking about that's basically a ground and pound except you're standing on there and you're doing it overhand as you're standing over them which would yeah. be a worse ground and pound than when they're even on the ground right so yeah i think uh all the slaps and stuff, they're, I don't know. I understand the ban on it, but then what Vince really needs to focus on is just like, don't tell them they can't do something like that and then don't give them the creative guidance they need to like, well, what should we be doing? Yeah. You know, what is missing that we need to add that type of like drama to it? Or like what's missing that we have to punch this person in the face harder than we probably need to? Well, he's directing the energy, his energy in the wrong place here. It's right. like, you don't... The matches are generally fine. The matches are good across the board on WWE. Yeah. What what sucks is everything that happens in between. Mm-hmm. And you can't really I you rarely see a bad match on WWE without like some sort of horror. Someone's teeth get knocked out or someone misses the finish or something, you know, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. But across the board, they look great and so much stuff is wasted and it just becomes a Twitter clip, you know. And that's it. Like, did you see that ricochet doing that spot? Oh, the, yeah. Onto the side um, yeah. barricade? Yeah. That's insane. That should have been that in the right context, used somewhere special. That's all time type of shit. And instead, it's a Twitter clip. Yeah. In front of a bunch of fucking screens pretending to watch the match. You know what I'm saying? Dude, now you now see I I think maybe there's a part of you that is a 70s wrestler cuz you just became a 70s wrestler cuz you were like, "What the fuck you doing that for? That's yeah. a finish." Yeah. That's a finish, right? It's just like you just did a finish as a high spot. Yeah, and, you, and it was amazing. Yeah, no, it was incredible. I mean, his his stuff, like his stuff is so tight and is in there like he probably doesn't need to do slap cuz I mean, even the cell like Johnny Mundo, Johnny uh, Morrison the way he sold that, the way his feet like shot back. I mean, that was, that was a finish. And I listened to Jim Cornette talking about that. Right. And it just like, that was just like, that was incredible. I mean, yeah. it really was, but I mean, again, it's just, sometimes it's wasted on the psychology. And I remember, you know, the old timers that would be like, don't do that shit on a house show. Don't waste it on a house show. Why are you doing that? There's no TV cameras. Like, what are you doing? And it's just like back then, he was just like, I have to do anything I can to get noticed because there is no such thing as NXT and there isn't a school around every corner. Uh, but yet now they need to get back to just like making that stuff make sense, building that drama in between. And don't worry too much about the slap punches because I, again, I don't really ne- necessarily know if I have a preference. As long as the punch looks believable, it doesn't matter. It's just like, why are you punching them? Yeah. Like, focus on the why are you yeah. punching them, right? And just, I didn't realize leg stops were a problem. It never bothered me. Yeah. I, I, I didn't realize it was it's a, it's a big It's a big problem. But then again, Vince bike sheds 
on a lot of weird shit, right? Like a lot, for the longest time, you know, you couldn't call a championship a belt, mm-hmm. right? You couldn't call, you couldn't actually say pro wrestling. I mean, mm-hmm. he's bike shitting on a lot of stuff where it's just like, you know what? Focus on that writer that came out and said, when I got hired, it wasn't required that I knew anything about professional wrestling. Oh yeah. That was like, focus on that, dude. That's a, that's a huge problem. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. But if you're the one who has the final say, here, you want to hire these comedy writers that wrote for TV shows or whatever to write a wrestling show, and they're just like, okay, what if we do this? What if we do this? What if we do this? Okay, and I'm the booker, and I have all these ideas that I can pick from. Okay, so what, what can I use here? What do I got? Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and you know, traditionally that stuff is more than likely, it always backfires. Remember when they tried to do uh, on Raw, they were just trying to do have a guest host every week to try to make it seem like SNL yeah. and pretty much the crowd turned on every, every host, mm-hmm. like unless they had like legit, they, they respect wrestling. Cause there's always been that divide and, and the divide of just like with mainstream entertainment and pro wrestling, you know, it's accepted now, but for so long that divide was there and the fans were included that in that divide where people would look down on not only the wrestlers, but they would look down at the people who actually watched the wrestling. Yeah. So and fans picked up on that and they would turn on people who showed up and didn't respect wrestling. Yeah. Right. You'd I literally have that David Arquette moment, which ironically he did respect wrestling, but mm-hmm. he just did was just like, Oh, this would be fun, not realizing it's like, should I really be doing this? Because I mean I mean, I've been a fan this whole, and this belt means so much, you know, yeah. to a lot of people. And it's just like, and it was designed, that work was designed around that. So they would turn on them. So to have people that are came from that world and are trying to create that talent, they're going to come up with dumb shit and think, you know, just like, oh, they'll probably like this. I've seen the stuff, other stuff. So it's like, they'll like that. And it's like, no. Yeah. And they definitely are not going to like dead ends. No one likes dead end stories, especially now. There's no excuse for uh, a TV show to not have like, okay, and if you're going to cancel it, we need this three hours to close the end because nothing infuriates people than a cliffhanger that's never going to end. And just like, and they're never going to get any resolution to it because they decided to cancel it. Yeah. It pisses everyone off. But now in wrestling, a lot of times that's happening on a weekly basis that all of a sudden they'll drop they'll drop a feud and then all of a sudden they're standing next to each other. And it's just like, man, that just is like a slap in the face to what the business was built on with yeah. cafe. And it's just like, there's a reason it was built and designed to that. And not because they needed to be like this hidden brotherhood because it was a formula that was working. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, and I understand you have to modify and come with the times and now the internet, you're not going to really be able to cafe that much, but it is possible. You still can do it if you had some creativity, but it's going to have to come from somebody who has wrestling in their heart and in their minds and like grew up with it. And that's why, Triple H does so well with NXT, and that's why Cody does so well with AEW. People give them both shit, but if it wasn't for them, it's just like, trust me, it would be a lot worse if mm-hmm. somebody else, if they're just like, uh, let's just hire this guy who, you know, did three seasons of this reality show and let him design NXT. Yeah. You know, it would be in the toilet. And the same thing is just like, people give Tony Khan a lot of crap, but I guarantee you he's letting. Cody run a lot of that stuff and that's why at least there's you know even with their flaws there it feels more like wrestling than WWE does yeah so uh, yeah don't bike shed this stuff don't worry about the slaps you know Mm -hmm. on the legs if that's fine it's just like if I care why they're 
throwing the kick that requires them to slap the leg, that's more important if you want, you know, to create ratings. Obviously, you're able to create cash, but can you create ratings? Because the ratings aren't there, at least on the WWE side. I mean, they're struggling. But like, but then again, it's just like, I guess it's like having a good salesman that's selling a product that might not be what what they promised. Yeah. Right? Because it's just not the same, but, then, you know, they're still making tons of money. And that's unfortunate because then a lot of these guys that are in there, because trust me, they got great minds that are there. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bruce Pritchard and, you know, Michael Hayes. I mean, those guys were brought up in territory days. The Arn Anderson. Those guys know what it's like to run the business and run a locker room and run creativity. But what's happening is just like they're being surrounded by a lot of the the Hollywood yes men. And they're just like, well, I can't really rock the boat because they got to keep their job. Yeah. Got a sweet gig. Yeah. That is a sweet gig. So I was just like, yeah, I agree. No more leg slaps. Yeah. Get rid of those leg slaps. Mm -hmm. But do nothing about the writing. Yeah, yeah, don't. Uh, somebody needs to leg slap one of those writers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, does wrestling need writers? No. Why no. does wrestling have writers? No, because wrestling shouldn't. Wrestling should have bookers. Wrestlers yeah. should not have writers. Wrestling should have bookers. The bookers are allowed to write, but writers can't book. Right. <laughs> that that's that should be the quote of there, right? It's just like that reminded me of uh, Dana Carvey doing... Uh, Carcinio, when Johnny Carson was trying to get more hip, so he became Carcinio. It was just like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, I did not know that a crib can be your house, but a crib's not necessarily your home. I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, bookers, bookers can write, but writers can't necessarily book. Yeah. So I think, like, to get back to my point uh, I was trying to connect earlier, it's like, by having writers come from outside of the business, that gives you the overall authority to say, no, I know better. You know what I'm saying? I have, I know that this will not work or I know, you know, I can always overrule everything because I'm the expert. Yeah. You know what I mean? Man. And that's trouble. I mean, we know that with, uh, you know, reading with people reading screenplays. I mean, art wrestling is art and art is so subjective, but it's a very, precise art in the sense where there's a lot of artists who understand it and there's going to be stuff in there that doesn't work Mm -hmm. but you can it still feels very it feels like wrestling i can easily you can you know we can do a blind taste test you can do take the pepsi challenge Mm -hmm. and you can look at five matches and you can have writers do it and then you can have like and you can tell who was in the wrestling business and who was a wrestling fan or who was just a writer Mm-hmm. Just by watching the match, yeah, watching why the where the match is laid out, any promos leading up to the match, the angle itself, you know, I guarantee you, any ones that are just writers, and, and man, this is where Jim Cornette gets his heat with uh, Vince Russo, right? Because he basically said, you know, he didn't understand because he just thought everything was crash TV. He thought everything was throwaway. You know, when we talk about when we're screenwriting, like. Before you're screenwriting, you basically write your Bible first. Write your rule book that you have to stick to. Then write the script and make sure, and then you decide when these characters can break the rules versus not break the rules. But if you, as the writer, break those rules, your script, people are going to, they're going to see the flaws. They're going to be like, that doesn't work. You know, because we there's an establishing. That's why Star Wars canon is considered canon, and people go nuts because you get all these other executives that 
try to creep out the side the cannon and think the fans aren't going to notice and they notice and wrestling is just like that mm-hmm. and that's why it was just something as simple as bringing don't worry about the leg slap bring a rule book back like put it put it out as a pdf so you actually understand okay this is getting too crazy you know we're these are have to be the rules you know give the referees something to work with so when people do break the rules they're hey, hey this guy's breaking the rules yeah that's what real sports happens right you see people yelling at the ref all the time, ref, ref, did you see that? It's just like that drama's already there in the sport. Like naturally, this wrestling was just trying to find that way to like create it, you know, basically conjure up that lightning in a bottle right there. Yeah. So I don't know. There's there's bigger problems than leg slaps. Yeah, but. and all the comedy bits in between things, all the comedy angles they have going on a general basis, um, they don't match up to the brutality you're going to see in the oh, ring. Oh, no, man. And it just doesn't connect. It's it's They're opposite of each other. They're fighting each other, you know? Yeah, because a comedy gimmick, it's really hard to break out of a comedy gimmick. And another thing that's difficult is just like for if you're ever a comedy guy, it's really hard to all of a sudden become serious. Yeah. And then when comedies and wrestling doesn't work, it's like really bad. Like mm-hmm. it either works. I was like, oh, wow, that works. That really, but when it's just bad, it's for some reason, it's like double bad. Yeah. When it's and sometimes it just works unbelievably well. Did you see that thing on Reddit the other day? <laughs> it was a, it was a Japanese match. Um, and it was, uh, it was a gay Ronald McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't see that. <laughs> I gotta find that clip. I sent you. Oh man. Um, but yeah, all these all these comedy bits in between the, in between the matches, they just don't set up what you're going to see, you know. And also, I think the writers that don't have wrestling experience, or at least you know an understanding of how it works, the angles don't make sense. It's not about it's not about I'm tougher than you, and we should fight. It's it's about feelings. It's about feeling like you're wronged or feeling like loyalty, like really like tough guy shit you know what i mean yeah it's just it's these really broad feelings of like honor and respect and dignity you know it's not just like you fucking pulled a prank on me yeah exactly (laughs) so yeah that's bad you know jim ross said it personal issue pal personal issues that's what works and it's just like and you're and you hit it right there it's just like personal issues based on like pride or how you wronged me i mean one of the greatest blood feuds that happened before the birth of wrestlemania was basically sergeant slaughter versus iron sheik right and all the you know what they did to set that up i mean obviously they were on a collision course right there was just they used real life stuff and they're just like the iran you know hostages Mm -hmm. you know how that feud started no Iron Sheik was leaving the ring. Sergeant Slaughter was going to the ring. And this was before they had music. Mm-hmm. And they both just walked in front of each other. And neither one of them refused to get out of the way. For the, they, they both refused to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Neither one would break. And they're like, you get out of my way. No, you get out of my You respect me. Because Sergeant Slaughter was a heel Yeah, before that. And it's just like they needed that American hero to take him on before that. And it, it literally was just... Like the equivalent of like running into someone in the hallway and not moving out of the way, but man, it felt like serious as a heart attack, and yeah. that was it. And that led to so much. One of the greatest non, you know, eighties non eighty five, you know, Hulkamania era 
yeah. feuds there was. Yeah. I mean, that was incredible. Well, even just like going back to the uh, the first Hogan Andre, uh, the build to that. What, you know, what was it? Was it Piper's Pit? It was where he ripped his shirt off. Yeah, we ripped his shirt off because when, they when that when that happened, you just felt it because it wasn't like it, it wasn't you ripped my shirt off. It wasn't that uh, you know I want you know I'm tougher than you. I want the title. It was that we were bros. Yeah. You know? Oh, man. Hogan sold the crap out of that, man. That was so, so good. It had nothing to do with... I mean, it was great that Andre had a 15-year undefeated streak. But yeah. like you said, Andre, please don't do this. Yeah. You know, we're like family. We're like brothers. And yeah. they were able to go back to clips of, like, Andre pouring the champagne on Hogan's head when he won the title. Yeah. Oh, come on, boss. Oh, come on, boss. Uh-huh. I mean, they were... Like you said, it was just like... It didn't be like... It wasn't like now it would be like... Oh, you're disrespecting me? Well, I'm going to get in your face because yeah. we're all so tough. Yeah. Hogan, everyone knew Hogan was tough, but it's just like now it's just like my brother is just like tired of, you know, the week before that, uh, they were, uh, they gave away trophies, Yeah, you know, for like, it was before the Slammies and Andre got a smaller trophy than Hogan mm-hmm. and he saw the look in his eyes and that's when the heel turn started. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, Andre got a smaller trophy. Yeah. It was basically like, you know, for thank you for 15 years of being, you know, one of the greatest. And Hogan, thank you for being, you know, the true champion that you were. And it's just like, enough. Yeah. and that that's kind of led up to that. And then and Bob and they had Bobby Heenan and just like he kind of exploited that. And it's just like, oh, I'm going to take advantage of that and, you know, use this to finally get at Hogan. I mean, there were so many good personal issues where, again, you just like you were able to overlook any any of the physical stuff because if you go back the wrestlers of today are way better athletes yeah without a doubt they're way better athletes but it's just like it didn't matter because you wanted to see somebody get beat up or you wanted to back somebody or you did think somebody's wrong and to the point where just like you were able to you know empathize there there's a lot of people that empathize with andre he's like you're right he should have the title you didn't really care that that andre held hogan in in uh you know, um, bear hug for mm-hmm. like five minutes because he couldn't really work. I mean, it yeah. wasn't a five star match, but I remember, I remember being on the edge of my seat like it was a five star match. Yeah, because it was just like there was so much drama attached to it. They'd set it up. I remember <laughs> going back whenever that happened, and that happened to be one of the things that I would see on. Uh, I'd seen it over and over. You couldn't really like rewatch things right back then. Yeah, I don't know why. I, maybe they kept playing it or whatever. But I remember in my head, I know that when when. Andre uh, ripped his shirt off. He must have caught his chain. Or, oh, yeah. So he had blood on his chest. Yeah. And it was just kind of, that always stuck with me. I was like, oh, my God. He, like, really cut his chain. He ripped off his chain. Yeah, he ripped off his chain. It's like, and he really, he's really bleeding, you yeah. know? Oh, dude. And, and Piper, you know, who Piper is, like, obviously, he can't help but, like, come in a room and suck all the air out because he's Roddy Piper. You just want to see him. And he he even realized it and stuck back. And he just looked down at Hogan. And he's like, you're bleeding. Like, he's like, I'm not going to interfere with this moment because he saw the magic. Yeah. And all he said was just like, you're bleeding. And he, like, held out, like, the shirt, the broken shirt, you know, ripped shirt and chain in front of Hogan. Yeah. Like, like Piper was the guy that would never be the straight guy to get something over. And that's how you know something was, like, magical because he even realized, oh, my God, this was good. Yeah. And that's what people cared about. Yeah. They cared about these personal issues and they want to care about these people and just... So, man, when you get to the point where you figure out how to do less in the ring than more, I mean, 
Steve Austin, you know, talked about this a little bit too. It was just like he had this brawler style and he was a technical wrestler. And then unfortunately, the you know, thing with Owen that kind of broke his neck or jarred his neck. Yeah. He couldn't do anything. And he was forced to change his style. And he said it was probably one of the best things that happened for his character because mm-hmm. he didn't he wouldn't he didn't have to do all the stuff that he was doing before because he was a you know he came up with you know he was a five-star match guy you know when you had brian pillman and steve austin versus ricky steamboat and shane douglas and wcw you're gonna get like that five-star match you know so he didn't have to do that and he he was forced to change his style but in a, in a way it forced him to become more creative with yeah. how his style was going and then helped him connect with the audience more yeah and he didn't really care about how his punches were connecting or how they were sounding. Yeah. So. But it's interesting. I'd like to see, you know, where it evolves and or maybe they'll just say, never mind, start slapping your legs. Slap anything. Yeah, just slap something. But make me want to care why you're slapping something. Yeah. Just like uh, what the, uh, I just, I don't know. Again, it's, it sounds like deep, like we're almost in therapy. Mm-hmm. I understand you're punching them, but why are you punching them? 